Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on Article 12, looking at an Old Testament passage. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. All right, we're rolling. We are rolling. That's how we roll by rolling. <laughs> wow. What a start to this episode here today. What, what, what I'm doing uh, right now is lowering expectations. Okay, I see, yeah. No. Don't get your hopes up. We're doing a topical Bible study. Well, it's you say topical, but we're into two different passages. Is it a topical because it's two different passages of Scripture? Well, it's topical because we're looking... Uh, at the individuals involved instead of exegeting actual oh, passages. I see. Okay. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. I'm right on this one. But okay. it's it's because <laughs> <laughs> it's because we are following the pattern of the apology mm-hmm. and looking at the differences between uh, Saul's contrition without repentance and David's repentance. And and there's there's a pretty you know a, a nice little discussion in uh, the apology on the the comparison between the two. Okay. Yeah, so we've we've spent the last couple episodes talking about repentance, article 12 of the Augsburg Confession and apology, and uh, as is our custom, we're into an Old Testament passage passages of scripture. Uh, we're going to be hanging out in uh, 1 Samuel 31 and also 2 Samuel 12. And uh, we'll look at those passages of Scripture as kind of a launching point to talk about the lives of these two guys, uh, Saul and David, and the contrast between those two. Yep. All right. So I will read First First uh, Samuel uh, thirty-one, four through six, and to read that in Jesus' name. First uh, Samuel thirty-one, four through six. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died with his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men on the same day together." So that's Amen. That's, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Amen. Uh, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Yeah, right. We could have. There's a lot of interesting passages of scripture that. Yeah. What uh, What a really strange yeah. series of events. But it, I, you know, the one thing we have going for us in this entire thing is we have the entire hindsight of scripture. So we, we have we can import the entire history of First Samuel mm-hmm. into this climax point where Saul takes his own life mm-hmm. and, and understand that really why Saul is here is because of the failure of the entire people of Israel who wanted to be just like the other nations. So they got a king who was just like the other kings. He ended up being capricious and right. glory seeking and jealous and vindictive and all of those things. And uh, really the the suicide, I mean, I've seen some really interesting things about this passage. I, I, I've, I've read an article on trying to diagnose Saul's mental illness. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah. It, it's been at times equated with either bipolar disorder or paranoid schizophrenia. Um, I've read various articles about, you know, you know, 
when was that one point that Saul crossed over to the point of no return? Yeah. And, and that's kind of playing with fire a little bit there because we don't know. Really, the point of no return for Saul was when he fell on his sword. Right. Because that removes the opportunity of repentance when you take your own life like that. Yeah. I, I know that when I was a kid, you know, back in the 90s. And back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, back in the 90s. We sound so old, that right, sounds, Adam? Yeah, yeah. I never thought that they would come, but yeah. we're here. And uh, the, maybe this is, you know, back in the 90s Christianity. Uh, oh. Things are happening. We went two but, episodes without referring to yeah. 90s Christianity. So I thought I, I'm, we were, I'm bringing it back here. Thanks, thanks uh, for that painful memory. <laughs> but I just re- there's just a memory that's coming to my mind now as we talk about Saul and David. Um, I remember learning... I don't know if it was the books of the Bible. There was some sort of series of drawings that we had to look at to help us learn the Bible. And their picture of Saul was next to David. And the idea was that, you know, Saul had half a heart for God. And it was kind of like one half of the heart was red and the other half was black. And then David had a full heart for God. And uh, I just thought that was an interesting you know, <laughs> pulling that into this uh, study here, oh, but that is so uh, nice because you, you yeah. Know, so Saul had half a heart for God. David had a whole heart for God. Yet David slept with a woman and had his right. You know, had her yeah, husband so, killed. So yeah. What, yeah. what's going on there, uh, Osher? What's what's going on with that picture? <laughs> I, I don't know. You think I'm some sort yeah. of an illustrator? I, I, right. It makes me want to illustrate well, children's I was books. Say, but you, yeah, you maybe saw the same thing back in the day. Back in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. In the nineties. So yeah, that that whole idea is definitely there for mm-hmm. sure. And honestly, that is kind of how I grew up. Is mm-hmm. this? You know, Saul was bad. David was good. But what it's looking at is behavior, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the the behaviors, and ultimately the end result we see in scripture is, okay, we see this passage. You know, we see where Saul ends his life in a, in a, in a state of unrepentance, really, is what it is. But yeah, no, it, it's a behavior thing. It always looks to the behavior of the person, which I think takes us out of focus a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it's almost exactly the same issue we get when we try to measure the level of contrition, mm, right? If yeah. we're, we're, we're measuring the level of the sins and talking about their heart. It's, it's a matter of faith, not a matter of performance. And, and I think that makes for an excellent starting point when it comes to Saul and David. <laughs> there's a lot I, of meat on that bone. There, there's a lot yeah. of meat on that bone. And again, all you need to do to start talking about the valuation is, oh, by the way, David slept with a woman and had her husband killed to hide the fact that he made her pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. right. Well, I mean, you look it sounds at, like an episode of Jerry Springer. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And, oh, and not to mention, in between, he got him drunk three times to try to, you know, just oh no, that's totally his kid, right? So it's there are so many inconsistencies we expose ourselves to yeah. when we are not consistent with the truth of God's word, and mm-hmm. so looking at what Saul did in taking his life and in, in, in committing suicide, it's a matter of faith. And at the end, you know, however we want to discuss it, at the end, Saul bought into the deception that he was irredeemable. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. And, and that's where we unpack the difference between Saul and David. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and like you brought up a good point, Adam, of you know just focusing on the behavior versus you know is there faith or is there not faith in this this guy? It's interesting if you look at those examples. You can go to the New Testament. You can look at Judas and Peter. Same same similar. I mean, a similar story. And the, the apology talks about both mm-hmm. you know both Old Testament New Testament examples like this, where we have uh, these individuals. When you just take the behavior themselves, there is some pretty awful behavior across the board. And and I remember hearing this stat. I don't remember what it is. Maybe you guys know this about um, how many people in the Bible there's nothing bad said about (laughs) other than Jesus, you know? Uh, And and there's a few. There's something like Daniel maybe and... Yeah, Enoch. Enoch. He walks with God. Um, not, there's uh, and, Melchizedek. Yeah, and yeah. maybe Joseph too, depending on how you interpret his, uh, you know, dream about his brothers bowing down to him being <laughs> arrogance or not. Sure. But that whole idea—you look at all of the saints of Scripture—has nothing to do with their behavior. It has everything to do with their faith. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's the outcome of the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. And it's, you know, the the point of justification is not that we're performing up to God's standards. It's that we are believing what God has performed for us. And, and when we make it up performing God's standards, the only possible outcome of that expression of faith in the generic sense, not in saving faith. The only possible outcomes are despair, which is what we've seen mm-hmm. with Saul here, and uh, self-righteousness. Or pride. Yeah, pride the pride despair. where you end up lowering God's standard so that you can elevate your own standard mm-hmm. above that, right? Yeah, it didn't Saul do that when he had that episode oh, where yeah. he, he was supposed to wait for Samuel to come and sacrifice the, the sheep? My My literal absolute favorite passage in scripture from a humor standpoint. It, it, <laughs> I, I never cease to laugh out loud when this happens. Is it the bleeding of the sheep? Yeah, that it's does for it Samuel for 15. Okay, yeah. And, and you know, Saul is, is just repeatedly, I mean, he's basically the Peter of the Old Testament. He just does one <laughs> stupid thing after another stupid thing. And he... Uh, he doesn't kill King Agag, which leads my, my, my favorite kind of ironic verse of the Bible for Samuel fifteen mm-hmm. thirty three. You guys can look that up if you want. <laughs> but he also doesn't slaughter the animals, right? The, the, God wanted total destruction of Agag and his people as a matter of obedience. And, and uh, Samuel, after delaying, and part of this is Samuel shows up late and Saul does the sacrifice instead of Samuel. Samuel shows up and, and Saul, the first thing he says to Samuel is, I have completed the word of the Lord. <laughs> and, and Samuel's, the, the, the first out of Samuel's mouth is, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? <laughs> I read that every time and I laugh because uh-huh. it's just such a biting satirical comment. Right. You, you just kind of get, see Samuel with a grumpy face like, Oh, you fool. (laughs) Yeah, so we have Saul just, uh, you know, if you go through his whole life, you see things like that, and you see uh, the ultimate end of his life here. Um, Anything else about Saul that uh, that you guys can recall of where he shows kind of a contrition, but it's not connected to like a, a, a faith? Well, when he, he's pleading, right, with the mm-hmm. – um, and I, I don't remember, honestly, the the chronology of the story here. But as he's pleading with God, basically, you know, so that he goes to the Witch of Endor. Yeah, yeah. where the Ewoks yeah. are, right, on Endor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a strange yeah. biblical connection. That's right, sure. yes. 
But he's going to the switch event, and he, and he pleads with Samuel, "Come on, come on, let's make this right." And Samuel's like, "No, like the, you're 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 sorry for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. you know." And that's kind of the the nature well, of that story. Too. And we have every reason to believe, with the consistency of Scripture, that that he's actually speaking to a demon. That, yeah, interesting. You know, it's, yeah, it's probably not Samuel's actual spirit because that's not the way God works. Right. And 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 so some some pretty significant mm-hmm. events where we see Saul's lack of faith happening. First, yeah. he refuses to take the word of God seriously. Mm-hmm. Then he starts to work worry about his own prestige in the matter. You know, and, and how this kind of parallels some of the things the disciples did too. So you have David or Saul is slayed his thousand and David his tens of thousands, and that gets under Saul's skin. Right? It's all about him. Uh, the fact that he doesn't plead with God, he goes to a, a witch, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, right. a a sorceress, Doing exa- like you know, a, necromancer. a necromancer. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly what he's not supposed to do. And 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 then we see his uh, the really interesting thing for me in all this is his repentance and put that in square quotes. Every time David confronts him and shows him to be a hypocrite, right? He he has these mental breakdowns where David sneaks up on him as he's relieving himself in the cave and cuts off a corner of his garment. And then Saul goes out of the cave and David's like, look what I did. Look, <laughs> I could have killed you, but I didn't. What's your deal? And Saul's like, you're a better man than I. But he refuses steadfastly in all of this to acknowledge his sin before God. Hmm. It's always keeping up appearances. Hmm. It's it's always being the worst kind of leader. It's always being the yeah. worst kind of example. And even at his death, he first wants someone else to kill him. Right. Right? And, and so what you see with with Saul is is not so much a sorrow over sins because he's committed them against God it's a it's a, what has happened to his like image. reputation his image mm-hmm. yeah exactly right. and and that's the whole the, the whole the difference i think that we're going to see as we contrast him with David yep. is Saul's entire point is how do i fix this i need to make the the, the he he sensed the 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 brokenness of the situation at times. So there was a sorrow there at times, I think, but he's trying to fix it himself. He's trying to, he's trying to, you know, like you said, improve his image in his own way, which is exactly the problem when we're thinking about contrition. Contrition is not meant to make us sorry so that we can clean ourselves up. Contrition is meant to drive us to a place where somebody else is taking care of the problem. And God specifically, right? right? And, and, I think I think we need to make this connection here because of American Christianity. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to fallen spiritual leaders in the the Christian culture that we have, mm. I I think by and large what has happened at some point in time is the concept of repentance has been broken down and has been in, has been entirely lost. Right, it's so that. Uh, what we see with these fallen leaders is that they 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 confess a sin to save face, and they immediately start planning the comeback tour. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that not more or less what we kind of see mirrored in the life of Saul? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting and, connection. And 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 to think that that. The outcome of the abuse of fallen leaders we see today is that you must forgive me because I've said I'm sorry, and it's a denial of the consequences of our sin. And that's the very first 
Saul incident is that I didn't take the word of God seriously, but I did my best. And Samuel says, no, you didn't even come close. And, and that just leads Saul down this path of self-destruction because he doesn't say, oh, I didn't do what God wanted me to do. He, he's like, no, look, look at what I did. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, it lends itself to an abusive environment and it lends itself to this kind of notion that uh, I don't need to repent. I need to polish my image a little mm-hmm. bit better and then come back and people will follow me again. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to reflect on and to chew on and uh, think through in that. Um, I, I think at this time we should switch over to thinking about David. Talk about some positive uh, for once. <laughs> yeah. Positive, encouraging. Yeah. Uh, being Lutheran podcast. <laughs> uh, we don't have lawyers if anyone wants to sue us for that. Oh, so. sorry. I, I despise, well, I shouldn't say no. despise, but it, that saying on Christian radio always kind of gets yeah. under my skin. Feel uh, good. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, let's let's not preach the gospel. Let's. Uh, all right, sorry. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'll get off my uh, hobby horse here. That's um, fine. But anyway, no, I, I think David provides a great contrast to Saul, uh, not just that they're back-to-back in, in the chronology of the stories, but, uh, you know, David, like you mentioned, Jason, you know, he's uh, sinning, you know, brazen, you know, brazen With sins. With impunity. Yeah. And and yet somehow you know he's a repentant, forgiven sinner, and and so uh, let's look at that here. Uh, we'll read Second Samuel twelve verse thirteen, and uh, and this is right after Nathan the prophet comes to David and you know tells a little parable story, and the conclusion is you are the man, and not just like you're the man. But like, you are the man. It's accusatory, (laughs) not complimentary. (laughs) Right, there you go. Clarify that. Tone matters. Tone matters. (laughs) This is one where I'd love to hear how he actually said it. I I think it was highly dramatic. Yeah, right. You You are the man. man. Yeah. I remember in in seminary we talked about this. Yeah. I think one of our professors was talking about how it was probably, he's probably afraid for his life, right? It's more like, you're the man. You're you're the man. Yeah, right. What was that? Yeah, he's whispering. It's like you, <laughs> super quiet, was, yeah. pointing, you know, looking at Got each other. Yeah. One foot out the door for when David reaches for the sword. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So this is this verse that I'm going to read is right after that, uh, and it's it's uh, he says this. Uh, David said to Nathan, "I have sinned against the Lord." And Nathan said to David, "The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die." And there's a little more there, but I think let's focus on that. Well, I have sinned against the Lord. Right there, you Mm. recognize the source of the problem with your sin. Mm. And and, and really, David goes on and he admits it again when he writes Psalm 51. Right. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And now the church because of the the present climate, needs to clarify this is not to say that Bathsheba doesn't matter in this. David sinned against Bathsheba. Certainly, Uriah. uh, David sinned against Uriah. Uriah. I think Uriah would have something to say about that, right? But what David is saying is eternally, cosmically. And the ultimate. Yeah, Yeah. the sin is against God. Mm -hmm. Every, Every sin I commit... Hmm. is against God. Every sin I commit breaks the first commandment. Every sin I commit is an act of idolatry. And and David immediately goes from zero to 60 in that exchange with Nathan on that. Mm-hmm. You know, he takes his, his rage against this, the rich man in the parable. In the parable. Yep. And as soon as Nathan points the finger, David knows. 
Hmm. And he doesn't try to justify it. He doesn't excuse himself and he doesn't lash out. We don't see any Saul behavior in David. Do you think Nathan was ready with like another response? <laughs> the Lord has put away your sin. If he would have like, if David would have been like, get out of my face, you know, <laughs> like get out of here, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. would he have said something else? And I think so. I think that's important pastorally Pre- to understand Preaching as well. to the uh, I, yeah. Or, the yeah. Con- as soon as, as, soon as Nathan saw the conviction was <clears throat> mm-hmm. genuine godly sorrow, it was... Mm-hmm. The gospel, the Lord has put away your sin. And where did he put it? He put it on the shoulders of Christ, yeah. right, as, as we look forward in the biblical narrative. And this is rote speculation, but I, the next message would have been consistent with all of the messages of the king. Is, is The failure of the king to repent and follow the word of the Lord, the, the prophet sent to him immediately stripped the king of his kingdom. It happened with Saul mm-hmm. in, in 1 Samuel 15 where Saul grieves the Lord and in an, another one God has anointed will be handed the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It happens with Rehoboam, mm-hmm. right? Rehoboam doesn't repent and, you know, um, my father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions kind of right. a thing. And the it's given to, to Jeroboam and it happens time again. I think the, the follow-up word of law that uh, mm-hmm. Nathan would have brought is God's going to make a covenant with someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you lose that favored position and it's it's really the the spiritual lesson in all of that is that you know where we get concerned about losing salvation is the moment someone refuses to repent and it's the flow from first John 1 8 to 1 John 1 10, right? Mm -hmm. If we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then 1 9 is if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. But then 1 10 is if we say we have not sinned, we make God to be a liar. Mm -hmm. And and the reason why God gets so drastic in these cases with Saul and with Rehoboam and everything is it's not what they're saying about themselves. Or, or anything. It's what they are confessing about God, and he will not have any of that, that he is honest in his word. And, and I've heard repentance, or at least confession, be described as agreeing with God about our sin. Yeah. And, and, and that's probably a good place to orient ourselves as we talk about repentance mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. It, that's similar to the, the Greek. Uh, can we do that? Can I, yeah. can I do that? I <laughs> want to sound really smart, because this I'll is one of my it. first... So, so the, the the Greek word metanoia, right, is to have kind of have a mind after, yeah. and it's kind of to think like uh, God does about our sin, and when we do, it leads. To, I mean, we we have nothing to stand on; we have no leg to stand on. Mm-hmm. And I think in this story too, he is fully forgiven. And there are consequences no. just from after that, but it's mm-hmm. it's not consequences. And I think we were talking about purgatory. Of, it's not purgatory. Yeah, it's not yeah. purgatory con- consequences yeah. of, uh, you know, there's still something more until you're fully forgiven. You know, he, he was fully forgiven on the spot, uh, but, you know, the child dies right after this. Well, the apology and, talks about that, actually. It talks mm-hmm. about the the consequences to yep. follow, and there were consequences with other people. And, and the point in the apology, I think, that's made is, um, you know, occasionally, yes, there are there are consequences that, that happen. <laughs> and he goes, sometimes they're just... Uh, um, you know, secondary consequences are just part of the reality of life, and sometimes they're not cause and effect either. You know, and he uses a couple of illustrations. He talks about Job, for instance, or the blind man in John nine. Mm-hmm. They reference both of those, and so so consequences. Yes, they do happen, but this isn't further payment for the sin of David. 
No, it, it, it's that we are, it goes back to what you said in an earlier episode, Adam, about living the, the simultaneously sinful and mm-hmm. righteous, right? Mm-hmm. That in the material Sin- world, Jesus. there are real world consequences for our sin that aren't commentaries on our forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It's just they flow naturally out of our actions, right? Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what Saul and what the abusive, you know, culture of, of fallen Christian leaders in in America, especially today, both get wrong, is that Saul repented, quote unquote, and thought there would be no consequences, and then got mad at God for abandoning him, more or less. And, and when when an abuser today repents, it it it's more or less I can get away with anything I want to when I say I'm sorry. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I think of when I hear those what you're talking about right now is the example with the. Uh, uh, you know the gymnasts who were abused mm-hmm. by that mm-hmm. individual who yep. uh, had abused uh, an unbelievable amount of girls, and in that courtroom, I, I remember the scene. And I, I know you guys have referenced this, I think, on previous episodes. But Rachel Denholander, the yeah. yep. one of the gymnasts, is a Christian, and her speech to him was one of the most beautiful illustrations of this. That that Bible that he was holding, like he was kind of clinging to that Bible. She says, I want you to read it. I want you to find the forgiveness. There are consequences. You're going to jail for this and you ought to. But I want one day to walk. She didn't use these words, but basically one day I want to walk with you in heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I care about your soul. Your forgiveness is paid for by Jesus. But there are temporal consequences. And, and we can speak, all speak to this as pastors, right? That we fully admit, and, and God forbid we or any of our brothers in the ministry would fall into this, but there are things we can do that would disqualify us from the ministry. Period. Mm-hmm. End right. of statement. We yep. would need to walk away because there are qualifications for this vocation, right? Vocation. But, Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we got it. Yeah. But the message also is that there is not a single thing we can do that would cause us to not be forgiven mm-hmm. so long as we are repenting of those sins. We, we can't out-sin the grace of God in Christ Jesus. We can sin ourselves out of various stations in life, but we cannot out-sin the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And, yeah. and that's where that has to be delineated. And, and, and you can suspect immediately that you are dealing with a manipulator and an abuser when those two things get conflated mm-hmm. and, and where their concept of forgiveness is really that they can get away with anything they want and not have any consequences. Mm-hmm. And you see that played out through the rest of the dynasty, right? Yep. You see it as, as you look at, I mean, there are consequences and the the earthly dynasty in that sense uh, needed to you know, it, it was naturally affected, but we still hear David in the Hall of Faith, right? The, you know, the yeah, exactly. And, and and the difference is David does this, and Ahab comes along a couple hundred years after David, and more or less lives out the parable that Nathan tells David, mm-hmm. right, with the vineyard and everything. So yep. the, there's, I mean, the, the consistency of Scripture on this topic and the difference between Saul's failure to repent and David's repentance is crystal clear, and it, it should open our eyes for, mm-hmm. for both what God demands of us but also the grace of God that's available to us. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks yeah. ago, you, you gave me the opportunity to share a verse right at the end. Yeah. And oh, I, here we I, go. I only got Jesus wept because it was the yeah, first. It was like right. my camp reaction, right? But thus, the, uh, uh, David, Nathan said to David, sorry, the Lord has put away your sin. 
you shall not die. Words of absolution right right there. Words we all need to hear. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on Article 12 of the Augsburg Confession. For the latest on the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.